Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. So this morning we're kicking off a brand new series for Christmas entitled Origin Story. Origin Story. Now, the idea behind this, we, we know that that phrase, origin story, has become a little bit more popular and recent because of, like, the superhero movies and everything that kind of gives you the, the understanding of where this person came from. So we wanted to pivot off that and really talk about the one true superhero who saved the world, Jesus Christ. So we're going to take a look at his origin and where he came from and how he came to be. Now, I know many of you, you've been in church for some time, and you get the story. You're like, okay, I've heard it. The guys come. They give him some stuff. You know, he's born in the main. And you, you heard that story, right? But what's so beautiful about the word of God is every single time you come across scripture, it will breathe something new to it. It will bring new revelation and new understanding. So we're going to unpack this and understand how it connects to our origin story where we come from, how we began. So the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is Refine from Our Past. Refine from Our Past. And I want to start today in Matthew chapter 1. And, you know, as I was just spending time in prayer with God, and I was like, how do you want this to start? How do you want this to begin? And I was just reading through this, and I want to start somewhere that's not that common in church. It's not that common for a place to start a Christmas message, but I want to go here, Matthew chapter 1, first one, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Solomon, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, the father of Re <coughs> Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. We're almost done. I know it's like, where are we going with this? There's a lot of names. And Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and, and his brothers, at the, same, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheatil, and Sheatil, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father, father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim. And Achim, the father of Iliad, and Iliad, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Madden, and Madden, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called Christ. So all the generations 
from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. That makes up for 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus. Now, I know this isn't popular scripture that anyone even reads. Here's the reality of what we do. I even did this when I was a lot younger. You start reading some names, you're like, name, 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 name. You're trying to get to the point to where they start talking again. You read the names that you can pronounce. Because let's keep it real. Like, that's why we kind of turn the page because you're like, I can't pronounce half of Zerub, Zerub, that dude. Jehoshaphat, I give up. And we just skipped through it. And for a long time, I was just like, God, why are all these people mentioned? Like, why do we have to go through all these names? And for a long time, I just left it vague. But as I got more mature as a Christian, I was like, God put everything in the word for a reason. See, because those names are not just names, they're stories. And each person from Abraham to Jesus has an individual story connected to him. See, knowing your lineage in those times was more important than today it is. Most of us, we know our grandparents, great-grandparents, but after that, it starts getting a little fuzzy for most of us. It's very rare to see somebody who knows their lineage from beginning, from where you guys came from originally, what tribe you existed from, and then all your great-great-great-great-great-great-great to you. That's very rare today. But at those times, it was a lot more important because your lineage at that time kind of determined how people would look at you. Where'd you come from? Who do you belong to? Who are you a son of? It would sometimes determine your profession, your wealth, your value. All those things were attached to your lineage. Today, more so, your, your, your lineage is more of a personal thing. It has effects on us on a personal level to where we start thinking on, I can only go so far based on my family. I'm only capable of so much because my family is only like this. I'm destined to go down these roads. I have these fears, these doubts, these worries because of my family. I have these habits because of my family. It runs in my family. And so we could both speak positively and negatively towards our lineage. But it happens to us more so on a personal level. And when we look at this, this long list of names, this long, this lineage of Jesus, one would think that everyone in Jesus' lineage had to be the most noble, the most kind, compassionate, God-following leaders ever to walk the earth. I mean, they're in the lineage of Jesus. They got to be amazing people. They got to be. And this is why I think God made it a point to keep this in the word of God. Because if you really go through those names and you really take time to learn their stories, you will learn that Jesus' lineage is way more broken than yours. Way more failures, way more letdowns, way more struggles, way more pain, way more suffering. And what God was doing in orchestrating all this was showing that from the beginning, before Christ even came on the earth, he was already making a connection to you. His son will have to endure both the past and the future things at the same time. That's what Jesus was born into. And he wanted us to have this understanding. Let's look at some of these people real quick. Just a few of them. 
because we ain't got that much time. Jacob, we know Jacob. He wrestled with God, became Israel. Good dude. Before that, Jacob was a deceiver who tricked his own brother to steal the inheritance. That was Jacob. Judah, whole tribe got named after him. The tribe of Judah, we like that name. Judah was the guy who came up with the idea to sell Joseph. He sold his own brother. Think about that. Now, granted, the other brothers went to kill him, so I guess that's like a little, little bit better. They're like, throw him in a hole. Judah's like, hold up, we can get paid. Rahab, we know Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth, who was a noble woman, but she was a Moabite woman. Moabite women at that time weren't even allowed to be around Jews. You weren't even allowed to worship with them, be in their place. You had no business. So the fact that Ruth was able to get into the lineage is a miracle in itself. David, liar, murderer, adulterer. Solomon, idolatry, lots of it. He was like, give me a God, new wife, new God, new wife, new God. That was like Solomon's life. These are the people. And it, if, again, if I have time to go through that list of names, it gets a lot heavier than that. But these are the people in the lineage of Jesus. But it goes to show you that even though the beginning was not picture perfect, God still has a plan for the life now. So some of us, we have a lineage or a history to us that we're ashamed of, that we're afraid of, and we've been running from, that we've been trying to remove from ourselves and hide. And it's affecting us. It's affecting us from stepping into the full plan that God has for our lives. So there are a few things that I want to cover to kick off this series in regard to our individual origin stories that I believe will help us give perspective on how we should consider our past. The first thing is this. The first thing is this, that all people in your family were placed on purpose. All people in your family were placed on purpose. Everyone in your bloodline leading up to you is on purpose. Because here's the thing, if you take any one of them out, you don't exist anymore. If I pull anybody from your bloodline at any point in history, and just like, no, I'm going to take this one, you're not you anymore. You cease to exist. And some of us have a dark past and things that we hide, family secrets that get buried because there's so much shame and pain. And that's us just trying to block out and protect ourselves, thinking that this is the best route to go with that. I know this on a personal level. For a long time, uh, my cousin's grandfather, who was my grandmother's second husband, for a long time I never knew of this man. Like, of course you knew he existed. Because, you know, I got aunts and uncles, so he, there, he's there. But didn't know his name, didn't know anything about him. As I became a teenager, come to find out, he I went to jail for molesting one of my cousins. And this was a secret that was buried because it was shameful. And, we, and people held, held their head down and, like, we don't talk about that. We stay away from that, just hush, hush. And these family secrets that can go on and that get buried can cause even greater damage and greater pain. And see, that's why I look at the scripture in, in Matthew 1, and I'm like, God didn't try to hide one thing. 
He didn't try to hide one thing from the lineage of Jesus. And as I said, it gets, it gets bad. Some of these people killed their own kids, killed their wives, messed around with other wives, just the whole nine. But God's like, here, look at it. Look at it. Understand it. Understand the, the, the hurt that's caused by people. But also understand this. I still have a plan. I still have my hand over this, nonetheless. See, we have this thing where we want to remove people from our minds because of the hurt caused by them and the pain they left behind. We would rather forget. I just want to forget about it. I just want to leave it. I don't want anything to do with it. Just let it be erased from my mind. But imagine if the story to Jesus went like this. It was like Abraham. And then all these amazing people came, person, 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 and then Jesus. All these kings who were perfect. Because there were a lot of good people, too, in that list who did well, who were obedient to the Lord. And literally, if you read through, especially like through Chronicles, it's like, do good, do horrible, do good, do horrible, do horrible, do horrible, do horrible, do good, do good. And this is just like the repetitive thing for the people of Israel. But imagine if it was just like all good people and everybody was perfect. How connected would you be to Christ? How would you, you would start to think like, there's no way I could be Christ-like. Look where he came from. I didn't have that backing. I wasn't born into that. I didn't have this start to my life. There's no way. And the thing is, your hard start is building you for something greater in the long run. If you learn to understand God's plan. God's plan, not our plan. God's plan, not our plan. And there's a scripture that everyone loves. We all love the scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. We love the scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Love that scripture. And you should. It's a great scripture. But if we don't understand that scripture in context, it can be very misleading. See, because we'll get something going on in our own minds and internally and start to confuse our plan for God's plan. Like, we start thinking, I have a plan for my good, and I know it's good because it's my plan, so that's got to be God's plan. It's got to be a match because that's what will make me happy. But let's look at this in context. So first we've got to understand who is talking and what is the situation. So Jeremiah is sending this, is the messenger talking to the people who have been exiled from Jerusalem who are now in Babylon. Go back, just one verse, just one verse. In verse 10 it says this, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me when, big word there, when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So the plan began with 70 years of exile. 
That was part of the plan. 70 years, then I'm going to come and fulfill the promise. But there's, a, there's action that has to be taken within that as well. We see that in verse 12. It says, then you will call on me, and I will come and, and, come and pray to me. So there's the first action. You will call on me, and you will come and pray to me. And he says, I will listen. He says, you will seek me and find me when. So this is another actionable step. When. That means you have to do something. When you seek me with all of your heart. Some of us are wondering why we're not finding God because we're not seeking him with all of our heart. We want to be in the plan of God, but we're giving partial attention to God. We want to be in the will of God, but we're not seeking out the will of God with all of our heart. And we're wondering why we're not finding it. At the same time, we never stop to ask ourselves, is this part of the plan, the situation that I'm in right now? See, because the thing is, the plan isn't your plan, it's God's plan. And it has to work itself out the way that he designed it. And the plan doesn't work out in your timely manner. It works out in God's timely manner. So he told the people in exile, settle in. It's going to be a while, starting with 70 years. So go ahead, unpack your bags. Go ahead, take the case down. Take the stuff off the donkey. It's all good. Go ahead, put the camel over there. You're going to be here for a minute. Settle in. And some of us were in these situations, wondering, like, how did I get stuck with this family? I can't wait to move out. Actually, that's not really a, a young person thing anymore. Y'all are trying to stay forever. Y'all say stuff now like, I can't wait till my parents move out. <laughs> Y'all going to leave me all this, right? But at least that was, that was my story. I just couldn't wait to get away. I couldn't wait to get away from my family and be out. Can't stand my family. I, didn't, I did not like them. Particularly on my dad's side. We're going to get into that a little bit more later. But nonetheless, it was still part of the plan. Now, here's the thing. The pain caused to you by people disobedient to God is not necessarily part of God's plan. They operate outside of God's plan. But nonetheless, he still can take that pain, that hurt, that struggle, turn it for the good of you if you operate in God's plan. See, because we'll go through things. As, as my wife was saying, amazing message, babe. Great job. I love seeing her minister. It's the best. As she was saying, like, when we're in a situation, it seems like internally the easiest thing to do right now is run away. I want to get out of this. I want to get free. I want to escape. I want to run from my past. I want to run from my family. I don't want anything to do with them. I just want to go. But could it be part of the plan that God has for your life is you being the light of the world to them? That God wants to work in you individually to reach them. And I know, I know right now it's holiday season. Some of you guys are at the Thanksgiving table trying not to smack your auntie with a drumstick. She always brings that drama here. Somebody asked the question, who made the potato salad? Why you want to know? Just eat it. That's when people start fights. Don't ask who made nothing. Just eat. That, that just starts a fight. People making comments on people's clothes, people's weight. The mean abuelita, I know. 
Mija gordita. I'm learning, y'all. I got the app on my phone, Duolingo. I'm about to be bilingual in this place. Just wait. But so much drama, and by the time the holidays end, you're mad at your whole family. You don't talk until summer. Like, I got enough of them at Christmas time. I don't need to see them till the 4th of July barbecue. Got enough of them. But could it be part of the plan is that God wants you to be the light to them? See, we're trying to rush things. We're trying to move things so fast. See, the thing is, God isn't going to remove anybody from your past. They're already there. Their life has come. It's already had its effect. But what he will do is change how you perceive and understand the pain that happened to you. He will bring healing to that. He will bring comfort and peace to that. I grew up in a household, especially while I was in high school, full of alcoholism, Abuse, both physical and verbal, vulgarity, pornography. This is what I was raised into. And this was after, of course, after my mother passed away. Because my mother, she was very loving and comforting. So at 10 years old, my life began to transition. And then I started going through all these pain. And I'm always asking God, why? How come? This isn't fair. Like I had such a bad attitude towards my family to the point where prior to going to the military, I was this close to changing my last name. I didn't want to be part of them anymore. I, I used to have this fantasy as a kid, like, please let me be adopted. Please let there be a mix-up at the hospital or something. One day somebody's going to show up in a van, and they're going to be rich, and they're going to take me away from this, and they're going to love me. Because literally every Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, it didn't matter. My house might as well have been a UFC event. Because my uncles were good. My uncles, my dad, somebody was getting into a fight. Then they wives would get into a fight. And it's just a mess. Every single time. Later on, I began to understand what was the catalyst behind this, this thing called eggnog. See, in the carton, the eggnog is fine. But somehow when it transitions from the carton to the big bowl, it becomes this, I don't know, it's just a psycho juice. And it has this weird aroma to it. Kind of like brandy. (laughs) But this will happen every single holiday. And my dad would be in the mix, and I just hate it because my cousin would come look at me, your dad at it again. And I'm like, oh, my God, why me? Why does this have to be my dad that has to be in this mix? In high school, like, I didn't even allow people to come to my house. I don't allow any friends over. I, like, anytime somebody wants to hang out, I'll, like, I'll go to your place. Or we'll go to, to the mall or to wherever. We're just not coming here. Now, I had some good days at home. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of good days at home. But you never know when the bad day was going to happen. And I didn't need to know, like, when my uncle was having a PCP trip, and then I got to explain that to my friends, like, listen, like, I know he, there's no dragon in the house, but that's just what he sees. <laughs> there's a leprechaun. I'm like, listen, listen, let me explain. He had some lucky charms earlier, had a little acid, things got out of control. Like, I, don't, I didn't want to have those conversations. And so for the longest time, I just, I, I tried my best to escape from my family. I want nothing to do with this. I don't want to be any part of this. See, the thing is, being in God's plan, no matter how bad it gets, we have to understand that it will work out for the good. It will. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things, everyone say all things. All things work together for good. Those things, those who are called according to his purpose. Now understand this. 
Meaning that it works out for the good doesn't mean to your liking. Does that make sense? When God says it will work out for the good, does not mean it's going to work out to your liking. It's going to work out for the good of his glory. And for us to be able to have joy in that, we have to understand his will. We have to understand how is God really working in the midst of this? What am I going to endure? Because Jesus did not have a good time getting nailed to the cross. He was like, oh, yeah, hit that spike one more time. Bang! That's a good swing there. That wasn't his attitude. He had the fear inside of him. He had the pain. He had the anguish. But he knew that it would work out for the good of everyone. It would bring glory to his father. So he endured. The struggles that you're going through within your family, within you looking at your past, are for you to endure, not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of those who come after you. This leads me to my second point. Your past lineage doesn't determine your future legacy. Let me say that again. Your past lineage doesn't determine your future legacy. What your father did, what your grandfather did, what your mom did, what your grandmother did, and everyone in line before them doesn't determine the legacy that God has for you. When you choose to live and abide in him and watch him transform your life. Watch him transform your future. Because I'm here today and able to say, because of salvation and Christ in me, my sons will never know alcoholism. They will never know abuse. They will never know drug addiction. They will never know those things. So long as they remain obedient to God themselves. But from me and my household, But that happened because of the love that Christ showed me. Because I was quickly on this same path that my father was on. The moment I escaped, I'm off in the military. I'm drinking now. I'm drug addicted now. I'm into pornography and everything vulgar. I'm engaged with different people. And just doing things I had no business doing whatsoever. And then in the time of of reflection, I start to think like this. I was just destined for this. This was the road I was destined to go down. I'm just like my dad. I'm just like my grandfather and my great-grandfather. All of them. My grandfather died of cirrhosis of the liver because of alcohol. My great-grandfather abused his own daughter. And I'm like, here I am, another violent Yule in the mix. Broken, lost. But can I tell you, church, there is nothing that God can't work out. There is absolutely nothing that God can't work out. Because the moment I gave my life to him and allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and be the Lord of my life, it immediately broke those chains. It immediately freed me from that bondage. It immediately tore it. It said, that's done with. And a new legacy now begins. A new one where my sons, my daughters know God. Where I get to baptize my own son. Where I get to be an impact and be part of other people's lives, watching their lives and their legacies change. That's the power of the cross. So understand, the lineage in your history does not determine your future. Jesus had one of the darkest lineages in the history of the world. But he broke every chain. He tore the veil. He set us free. Your life can be changed. 
by a simple yes. By a simple yes. So we got to stop carrying the weight of our family on our shoulders. You got to stop carrying that. You got to stop thinking in your head, I'm only going to be. I'm never going to get free of. This is just who we are. This is just how it's going to be. We got to get free of that way of thinking. So what I was doing to myself was essentially I was in a hole. And I was digging to get myself out. You ever been there before? You're in a hole. And you're just, you're trying to dig yourself out of the hole. And people walking by, what are you doing? I'm trying to get myself out of here. Like that's, I don't think that's, that's the way. See, because the only way for me to, to try to get past my family at the time was using things like anger, resentment. If I avoid them, if I move across the country, if I don't call them anymore, if I, if I just remove them and cut them off, I'll be fine. Some of us, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, these shouldn't be awkward times when family members walk into the room. Like, oh, you did decide to come. I'll keep it real. Some of y'all, you know, she walk in with that plate, like, and she brought food. She's going to try to show out. Moms and daughters, y'all get at it in the kitchen. Mom's still trying to show you how to cook. She's like, get away from my stove, mom. I know what I'm doing. And just, just bitter stuff. And then we, like, we start cutting people off and cutting people out because we think this is the best way to protect ourselves. But can I tell you, church, the best way to protect yourself is allow God to speak through you. Allow God in that room. Allow Christ to walk in. See, I learned that I had to stop using my anger and resentment as my method of escape. But through Christ teaching me love, mercy, and grace, now I can change my family. Not me, but Christ working through me. See, now when I'm in the room, there's not tension anymore because Christ is in me. And before I let my mouth spit off, and let my head roll and my eyes do my thing, your <laughs> walk off. Before I do any of that, I'm just going to communicate and talk. Talk. It's not that you will never have conflict again. You're going to have conflict, but know how to deal with conflict. Amen? The other thing that will help you understand is we're fallible too. Some of us are that family member that other family members are trying to get away. And you don't even know it yet. He's like, oh, oh, my God, I am that person. Nobody called me. All of us are, we're not perfect. We're all fallible. We all make mistakes. And that will help you to understand. See, I understand now, looking back at my dad and how he ended up into drugs, into alcohol, because of circumstances that he was surrounded by. And there was nobody there to show him the love of God. My grandfather, same thing, came from an abusive home. And it was just a trickle effect. Nobody was present. So that's why I'm so thankful for my pastors. I'm thankful for my leaders. I'm thankful for every single person who deposited the love of God into me because I could have easily gone down that path. All of us were just one decision away from a path of destruction. But somebody spoke up and spoke out with the love of God, communicating it in the right way to change the course of your life. Could it be that the plan that God has for your life is for you to be the course changer? You see your nieces and nephews going off and you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen to them. Could you be the voice of reason? 
your brother, your sister who've been tripping. Some of y'all got twins that y'all don't even talk to. Y'all got someone who looks just like you. They're like, I ain't talking to you. There's another you walking around that you won't talk to. Believe me, if I could talk to myself in that manner, I would. Because it would be weird if I just do it at home. Teresa's like, what are you, are you in the mirror? Your family needs you. Your family needs you. This is why we can't bury our heads and run away from it. If we don't know our past, we are destined to repeat it. If we don't know our past, we are destined to repeat it. Philippians 3 verse 12 says this. It says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. What Paul is trying to communicate here is we must forget that this stuff does has a hold on you. Those chains have been broken. When you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, those chains have been broken and doesn't have a hold on you. Some of us walk around with these family curses on us. Well, my mom was always anxious and fearful, or my dad had an alcohol drug problem, or my grandfather struggled with pornography, and it's just in my family. That chain is broken. You have been set free. You are covered by the blood of the Lamb. You are a new creation. You get a new origin story. You get a new one. In order to live a new life in the family of God, I had to forget about what was behind me. That this stuff doesn't have a hold on me anymore. But now I have a new perspective of the things of the past and why they happened and how I had to go that way. I don't remember it in the way that it was so painful and it breaks me down. I now look at it like, man, my dad has some struggles going on. Who else do I know that has that kind of struggle that I can help now? Man, I can see that turning really sideways and that, that relationship may go sour. How can I help? Because I see my past now in a whole new light. I see the plan and the purpose that God had for every single person in my life that brought me here to this place right now. You are who you are and where, where you're at right now. Not by accident. By God's plan. By God's plan. Aren't you excited to see what else he has in store? We should be thrilled about the amazing things that God has for us. Knowing how good life is already. Because the thing is, and this is a trippy thing to think about. Even if your entire life lasted 100 years. And that 100 years was littered with so much struggle and so much hardship and all this different stuff. It's only 100 years in the line of eternity. Think about that. It's 100 years in the line of eternity. Literally a blip. It's that fast. In the line of eternity. So nonetheless, no matter how hard the struggle is, no matter how hard the pain is or how long it lasts, it's going to work out for those who love God. It's going to work itself out. Don't you worry. Don't fear. Don't fret. 
He's got you. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Everything I'm saying to you guys today is true. It's coming from a real, raw, and unique, not unique, but just internal place. I know what the power of God does. I know what it does. I've seen it at work. You can do this in your family. When you think you can't, I can't be the voice. Nobody's asking you to go preach the Bible. Just let the love of God shine through you. Just be the light in the room. Be the smile. Be the hug. Be the friend. Be the ear that listens. That's already within you. The moment you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, it is within you to bring forth change. Believe in that. Believe in that. I'm going to get ready to close. If I got the worship team, come up. See, I, I live a life understanding that I am not perfect. We must all live a life understanding we're not perfect. But we're constantly being perfected. Or should I say we're being refined. Meaning when the Holy Spirit enters us, it is burning away the impurities. Because I know sometimes you get down on yourself. When you mess up and you struggle, you're like, see, I can't, I can't do this. And it breaks my heart. It breaks all of the leaders' heart when we see people leave. When we see people throw in the towel and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm never going to be perfect. None of us are. You are not going to leave this world perfect. You are in a constant project being worked on. Constantly. But the longer you stay in it, the longer you stay with it and obedient to God's plan, he's going to work it out for the good, for you to prosper, for eternity. So I want us to leave you with this. Regardless of your past, regardless of your history, regardless of anything that you've gone through, any struggle, it does not determine the legacy that you will leave behind. What determines the legacy that you leave behind are the daily choices you make. The daily choices to love on somebody. The daily choice to share a good word. The daily choice to give somebody a hug. The daily choice to smile a little bit more. The daily choice to just speak well to somebody. Those daily decisions are what will decide your legacy. Some things may have been spoken to you from relatives, from your dad, to, from your mom, that you, you never amount to anything. You'll never be successful. I knew you will always turn out like. See, you're just like these things have been spoken to you and they've been ingrained themselves into your brain. So the moment you start to get a little bit of favor from God, you retract and run away because you feel you don't deserve it because of what was spoken over you. We break that today. We break that today. The lies that have been told to you by society, but all the books of manipulation that will say you're going to turn out just like this because your father was this way and your mother was this way. All these psychiatrists and all these things that will try to cast these stats on you and say, this is how you should be. And then we start to justify it and go, see, I knew I had a problem. We break that today. by all these uh, statisticians and stuff like that, I should have been dead or in jail. I was a young black kid growing up in South Central LA in the early 90s. Mom dead, dad on drugs. I was category one for a gang. For sure. But God says, no, I see my son. 
I don't call you that. I see life in you. That's what God says about you. God calls you son. He calls you daughter. There is life in each one of you. So today, let's break these chains. Why don't we all stand to our feet? With every head bowed and every eye closed.